Hey everybody, it's Brock Falk, and I want to thank you for listening to this message from Heritage Church of Christ. We would be thrilled to share more content like this with you and make it easy for you to share it with others. You can find more messages like this on our podcast, or you can download our smartphone app by searching for Heritage Church of Christ in your app store. But most importantly, I hope this message encourages you to take a next step toward a thriving relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Help me read aloud the words that are in yellow. Can someone say amen in agreement? Thank you very much. This is John's Gospel, chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. This is the word of God for the people of God. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he, he spit on the ground and he made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Is this the man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was, and others said, Nah, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted. He said, I, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? They asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. And they brought the Pharisees, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. And now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. They're talking about Jesus. But others asked, well then how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Well, we know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, He's of age, ask him. And a second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. 
Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, well, I've told you this already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, well, that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he? The man asked. Tell me, so that I might believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. Can y'all say that again? Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. This is a reading from God's Word, John's Gospel, chapter 9. If you believe in the Word of God, somebody say, I believe in the Word of God. Can I have somebody say, I trust in the name of Jesus? All right, you may be seated. Thank you so much, church. Well done. In the story, I noticed some things about it. There's a, a healing and then an interrogation. The man is healed and, and his neighbors interrogate him. And then the religious leaders interrogate him and the religious leaders interrogate his parents. And then he goes back to the religious leaders for a further investigation. It's like no one believed his story. It was held up in public scrutiny. It's like he didn't receive affirmation for this incredible blessing that Jesus gave him. I grew up in a Catholic household. I was an altar boy for far too long. Like I was like 18 years old and I was still, an altar. I was like taller than the priest, you know? And I remember that whenever 
I left my mom and dad's household to go off to college at the University of South Alabama in Mobile, Alabama, that I had committed to not go to church ever again. I think I went to one other service. It was a Maudie Thursday service when I was there. What I found out in hindsight was that I hadn't internalized my faith. I, haven't, I hadn't committed or had deep convictions with it. It was, it was mostly my, my mother's. Because as soon as I got out from under my mom's wing, not, under my, not out from under my parents' money, mind you, but out, just out of the house, right? Just out of the, you know, out of the house. Um, I made a series of choices that put me against that upbringing. I, I remember I went into a, a season of being lost. Now, some of us may not like that term, lost, but I don't know how to describe it for me in any other way that I was lost. I was making decisions that weren't in the best interest, not only as a freshman and sophomore in college, but, but just decisions that were good for a human being to make, right? I was making choices not for good, but I was lost. I remember my roommate being expelled for drug usage, and, and I was graced because they didn't get me. I remember not going to class and having a 1.0 GPA. You know, and I remember my mother threatening me, you're going to come back and go to community college. It's like, no, I don't want that to be my story. I want to I stay. And I remember some people coming to my room and from various campus organizations, because when you're in the freshman dorms, it's free reign. Everybody comes, everybody wants a piece of the freshmen, all right? Any freshmen, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, join our organization, come do this thing with us. And I rejected all of them, except for these two guys that I'd entered into a relationship with. I knew them, they were acquaintances, and they asked to pray over me, and they did. I said, yes, you can pray over me. And when I said yes to that, it's like the Lord gave me a series of yeses. You know, and then I understand now that in hindsight, like yeses are what God wants when he gives you freedom. Uh, the world, and, and maybe you've been in that season too, where you think when you get some freedom, then you can just say no to God, right? Like freedom is for you to say no to God and to reject the ways and the grace of people. But in fact, when you have God, then you say yes to him. When you have freedom, true freedom, you could say yes to do what's right. And not just no to do what's bad, but yes to do what's right. So I went through the season of yeses, man. I, I went to the Thursday night Bible study. I started going to church with them. I'd never been to a Protestant church service before. I didn't have a Bible. I went out and bought a Bible from Books A Million. It was a $6 gift Bible. I opened it up. I said, it said to and from. It was blank. I said, well, to Jovan, from Jovan. This is, <laughs> this is my gift to me. Because when I was in that service, like people were opening up their Bibles. They were, they were flipping pages with Marshall Underwood, the preacher there, and he preached off like a yellow legal pad. I was like, where's the big book? Where is the cross? You know, like, where, where is the incense? You know, what is happening? And men, when they did communion, I was like, my God, what's going on? Like, this is not how you take communion, right? Come on, somebody. And it's so interesting in those churches, like, they're like, oh, we're really formal. I was like, you do not know what formal is. Like, give me some pageantry, somebody, right? And so I just kept saying yes to things, and this church really invested in me, and I started, like, volunteering with them, 
on Tuesday night bus ministry. I, I, I just was there all the time. And, and I remember I was with my girlfriend, long-term relationship. We did not get married, but I had a girlfriend in college, and she got baptized. And I was like, whoa, you got baptized. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I need to get baptized. But I'm not going to get baptized when you get baptized because I don't want anybody to think that I got baptized because you got baptized. Am I right? Y'all ever been there before? Those of you guys that went to church camp or something or, you know, all your friends were getting baptized and you were like, well, I don't want to do it because I want my own night. You know what I mean? I want my own night. I want my own thing. I don't want anybody to tell me that I was just doing it so that, so that I could be with my friends. Or I don't want anybody to think I'm getting baptized just so I could take communion if you're a little kid, right? I don't want anybody to just, I don't want anybody to see that, that, that maybe I'm insincere about what I'm doing. And so I, I committed to wait, and me and my roommate, at this time I was roommates with these guys that go to church, and, and we started studying the Bible because we're like, we've got to get real serious about this. Like, people are giving their lives to Jesus. I think we're supposed to do the same. And so we opened up like good, like good restoration, Church of Christ peeps. We had all the verses on baptism highlighted in our Bibles. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm saying? Did anybody ever do that? Had them all highlighted in there. We went through and we looked at all of them. And I said, we, I, we, I need to get baptized tonight. And I remember it was like a 10 o'clock on March 2nd of 2000. Went and got baptized in Christ. And, you know, there was just a small group of people there. I think my girlfriend, friends, roommates were there. My campus minister, Tim. And I remember, I remember, calling, I remember calling back home. I remember calling back home and talking to my mother. My mother picked up and I was like, Mom. Mom, I, I got baptized tonight. And my mom was like, well, you, you already did that. We did that when you were a kid. We did that when you were a little baby. So yeah, yeah, I know I had to, I had to, I had to have my own, I had to do my own thing. I had to have my own faith, mom. She's like, well, I mean, you, you did. You, we confirmed it. We remember when you were around 13 and we, we did confirmation for you. I was like, yeah, mom, it was just like, like not really my thing. It was like your thing. But I, I, I just want to let you know that like I, I got baptized in the name of Jesus tonight. I just, I just want to let you know. And my mom said, well, the best you could give me was, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you found your own way. But I knew that my mom was a bit disappointed bit devastated, right? I was looking for that affirmation from her. She gave me the best she could, but in that moment, that's all she could give me. I was hoping for more, but that's what I received. I'd gotten this amazing blessing, and I thought, I thought my mom would be so happy for me, but she, she wasn't. I remember graduating from college and I graduated with a marketing degree, and, but, but in my senior year, like God kept giving me these, this imagination for ministry. Like I, He kept giving in my mind whenever I daydream, and when I dream at night, I would dream about studying God's Word with people. And I would be like, this is so strange. Why am I feeling like I want to do this? I would pray to God. I'd say, God, take this feeling away because that's just weird. I never wanted to be a priest, and I certainly don't want to do this. God, please take this away. Well, He never did. He never did. So... I eventually outed myself as that's what I wanted to do with my life. I want to be a minister. And I remember going, graduating with a marketing degree, going back to my hometown and, and seeing my friends and my family 
you know, entering into spaces where they didn't know me as, you know, Jovan who wants to be a minister. I started working for this church, I became their youth minister. It's just less than a mile from St. Columba where I grew up Catholic. And, and I remember when I got back to Dothan, uh, my friends would sometimes call me and ask me to go and do some of the things we did when I was in high school. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm like, God, fellas. Like, I can't, I, 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 work, I work at a church. Like, I can't do that now, you know? Like, and like yeah, 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 but, we, you know, we, we know. And I'm like, no, you don't. Like, I work at a church. And, and, and I really felt like, wow, they don't believe it. Like, they're really questioning my sincerity. Like, they, they had this belief, like, yeah, we know what Sunday Jovan's like, but let's see Monday through Saturday Jovan, all right? Like, I was like, no. That's not who I am. That's this, I'm, making, I'm making different decisions now. I, I'm following some, something much more compelling. Uh, that, that's, that's who I am now. And I, I also remember being in the car with my older brother. And, and maybe if you're like me, we don't kind of really know our siblings that well. I mean, he was like 12 years, he's like 12 years older than me. And, and, you know, he was out of the house doing his life. I, I really feel like I grew up not as the baby, but like as an only child. Um, can y'all connect with that, you know? Like, and so I remember him being in the car with me and I was telling him about my story and how I came to know Jesus and, and, and I really wanted him to know him too. And my brother looked at me and he said, man, I'm gonna tell you what, I work with a guy and I forget what my brother was doing. Maybe he's doing roofing or some kind of construction. He's like, I work with a guy every day. And this guy's always talking about Jesus. He's always talking about Jesus, Jesus this, Jesus that, pray for Jesus, do this. He's like, man, I don't want you to become like that guy because he's annoying. He's like a Jesus freak. And man, it, it broke my heart, right? Like I wanted to share with him and my brother's just like, don't be like that guy. I'm like, here's the blessing that I've received. I want to give I've received. I want to give you the blessing from a place of blessing. I want to give you a blessing. No, don't, do not talk to me about that. I, I, I don't know if maybe you can connect with any of that. Like whenever you have received a blessing from God, and, and, and you want it to be affirmed, but then it's held under scrutiny. Your, your sincerity is questioned, or, or your backstory and how you got there is questioned. Like, people can't see you in a new light. Like, like you, you've received something good from God, and, and all you want to do is, like, find out, like, how it happened, and, and who can I give the glory to, and then people are just untrusting of that story. Well, I, I think that for some of us, we might be afraid that our faith may not stand up under public scrutiny. Like maybe we've shared something about it and somebody rejected it or questioned it and, and now we're afraid that we, we can't share anymore. Like what, how can my faith stand up if everybody's wondering who did it? We don't like that man. He's a sinner. We don't trust him. You know, in today's age, like does your faith stand up to public scrutiny and are you willing to even allow it so? In this in the story, there's a lot of things that are happening. One of the observations that I've seen in it is there's a lot of talk of sin in it. And, for example, Jesus doesn't keep the Sabbath. He is a sinner. Why is the blind man blind? Why was he born that way? He must have been steeped in sin from birth. Why was he born that way? Um, was it his parents' sin or was it his sin? This is the belief based on the disciples' opening question. Who sinned, the man or his parents, that he was blind since 
birth. In other words, like whose whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? Who can we blame? It's it's like the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. If you don't know the story, it's John chapter four. Jesus meets with this woman in the middle of the day who's getting water coming out of her Samaritan village, and Jesus and this woman have this dialogue, this conversation together. And in this story, when we read it, we may be thinking when Jesus reveals to her that she's had multiple relationships, multiple husbands, and the person that she's with right now is not her husband. I think a lot of times we can just read into that story. Well, uh, she made a lot of poor choices. Uh, she seems to be maybe somebody who can't keep a relationship. Maybe, maybe she is a, a loose woman. That is not at all how John seems to portray. Does it identify her sin or anything like that? It could very well be that she was in a liberate marriage, which means that maybe her husband died and her brother-in-law had to take her into his household. And that could have been the case. Maybe she's had a series of misfortunes. We read a lot, read a lot into it because when we read stories like that, we always want to know who's at fault here. Why is she in the situation she's in? It must be her fault. It must be her fault. Why does she have five husbands and live with someone who isn't her husband? She must be the one to blame. And in fact, John doesn't allude to any of that in the story. And so here is the same case. Like, who is to blame for this man's blindness? And the disciples ask the question. It looks like the religious leaders answer it for them. They say, you, to the blind man, how dare you lecture us? You have been steeped in sin since birth. And we might think that the way that they view sin and um, physical ailments like blindness, sin and misfortune, they're, they're directly correlated all the time, right? He must be blind because of someone's, someone's sin. And we might think that that's, that's kind of an antiquated way to view things. Like, why would they think that way? Like, why would someone think that a baby born blind is cursed because of their parents' sin? Or why would we think that someone who has a physical ailment is cursed because of their own sin? It's, it's the story of sin and curses. Sins and curses. It's, but I dare say it's not an antiquated way of telling people's story. I think it's how we tell stories of sin and, and curses. I like Marvel movies. Anybody else like Marvel movies? Y'all like those Marvel movies? All right, yeah. Well, I, I recently watched Black Widow. She got her own movie. And in her story, uh, she's taken from her parents at a young age and forced to become a trained assassin. And in the movies, she's attempting to make good on all of the red in her ledger. That's one of the things that she does and is attempting to do to be an Avenger, to continue to work with the Avengers. She's trying to make good on all of the people she's killed. All the people she's assassinated. So she joins the Avengers to right her wrongs, but she's always troubled by her past. In this country, when 
an unarmed black man is killed by the police. There is a search for his background and past. Did he use drugs? Did he ever steal anything? Has he ever been in jail? Does he have a dad? What's his family like? What's his town like? Did he graduate high school? Did he graduate university? There's a there's meticulous digging through the person's background, and if something is found, then for many people, the unlawful death at the hands of police are justified if there is criminal history or drug usage. He got what was coming to him. The violence just was justified. Is he innocent or is he a sinner? Before Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat in the front of the bus reserved for whites and segregated Jim Crow America and December of 1955. Before she's known as the first lady of civil rights, there was Claudette Colvin, a young lady of 15 years old from Montgomery, Alabama, who refused first and was arrested. And our very own Fred Gray, I say our very own Fred Gray, if you don't know, Fred Gray is a member of the Churches of Christ and is still alive today. He is a civil rights hero. He's a lawyer and he took up her case. Colvin's case, though, was dropped by civil rights activists because she was unmarried and pregnant at 15 during the proceedings. She was not the right candidate. Rosa Parks stated if the white press got a hold of that information, they would. Claudette, the blind man is not a good candidate for healing. Not according to the religious leaders. He's not a good candidate for healing. He's not credible. He's believed to be cursed. He's cursed. Who sinned? This man or his family? He's cursed. He's not credible. He's not someone we can believe his testimony. He's not a good candidate for a healing. And you may yourself believe yourself to be cursed and not a good candidate for the healing power of Jesus Christ this morning. You may be thinking, my parents sin too much. I sin too much. There's too much red in my ledger. I can't receive a blessing. I can't receive a healing. I can't receive forgiveness. Like I have too much going on in my life. Like what has happened to me is for bad, but Jesus talks about the man's blindness as for a good cause. Come on, somebody, lean in, listen in this morning that the works of God would be on display for him. So whatever's ailing you, you can believe, you can reframe it under the power and faith and trust in Jesus that it can be for a good cause, that God is working out the good for people who believe in him and put their hope in him. Like God is working out the good. And this is the work that God's doing, making it on display for him. Whatever's ailing you can be for a good cause, that God's good work can be done in you. The Pharisees and the disciples, they see a man cursed. But you know what Jesus sees? He sees a disciple. Jesus sees somebody who's willing to follow him. They see a beggar, but Jesus sees a believer. Jesus sees each and every one of us. 
Jesus sees you and Jesus sees a disciple. And for this man, he's characterized in many ways. We see him as a blind man, and then we see him described as a beggar, and then he becomes a believer. He doesn't seem like this good candidate, but he really is because the blind man couldn't work. He begged. But because of Jesus, the blind man does the work of God. He believes, because this is what John believes about the work of God. He describes it to us in John chapter 6. To believe is the work of God. In John 6, he says, Then the disciples asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That our work for God is believing. His work is healing us. We put our trust in him, and God does all the work. Salvation does not come by work except the works of Jesus Christ on the cross, the work of Jesus Christ in the empty tomb, the work of Jesus Christ that he was completely and fully, 100%, no cap, like fully, 100% obedient to God. That's the work. And our work to receive the work of God is to believe in what Jesus has done. Without Jesus, we're nothing. Without Jesus, we're simply beggars. I mean, we're simply like striving to try and do better. Like, without Jesus, then we're just a bunch of tryhards. Like, we're just people who are trying to crush the day and get up early and people who are trying to, like, work really hard and toil at the ground and, and toil at our jobs and toil in our lives. And, and, and that's all we get at the end of the day is just more toil. But in Jesus, there's rest. In Jesus, there's rewards. In Jesus, there's life. Now, all the things that we do only lead to death. Why y'all just looking at me like that? Y'all believe that? Like, oh, everything. Everything, all this is like leads to death. Like, you're sin. All you can do is sin and sin and work and toil and beg and sin and toil and work and beg and sin and toil and work and beg. And at the end of your life, you're dead. But in Jesus, no. You believe, you trust. He heals, he forgives, he gives grace, he resurrects, he gives you life, he gives you purpose, he calls you son, he calls you daughter, he calls you child. You don't have to beg. Jesus, like, I gave it to you. I gave it to you. Like everything that I have is mine. Here's my father's table. Everything I have is mine. The father says everything Jesus has is yours. Like he doesn't, he just gives you everything. Like Jesus just gives you everything. The father gives you everything. Like there's no more begging anymore. There's no more begging anymore. There's no more begging. Like you're a son, you're a daughter. Like how dare, like you wouldn't ask for bread and God would give you a snake. Like, like, like that wouldn't happen. Like God just gives you good gifts. He just keeps supplying you with more blessings and more blessings and more blessings. Some of y'all are trying to work really hard to get a blessing from God. But I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning that you have to work from your blessing of God. You're working from your blessing of God. As you're not trying to get something or gain something from God. God's like, I've already given it to you. You just believe in it. You just believe in it. You don't have to beg anymore. You don't have to beg. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come on, for your weary souls. This is what, this is the power of the gospel. And, and it's showed on display for the blind man. And he has this progression of faith. Some of you may be in this place, like, like, like really, really low, really low. Like, like, like you don't know anything. Like, here's the progression of faith for the blind man. Uh, he says, I don't know. He says, uh, he is a prophet. And then he says, I believe. Like, there's a progression for him in the story. So here's the thing that I, I witness about the blind man. He gets his blessing, but when you get your blessing, you must still gain your sight. That, like, your blessing is belief. Like, your, 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 your eyes are opened, but you still need your own awakening. So he gets this blessing of his eyes being opened. And, and, the, and the Word of God says that, he says, I was blind, but now I see. And I don't know if you noticed in this story, but he says it twice. He says it twice in the story. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, 
but now I see. And when they ask him and question him, he says, he says, well, I don't know how it happened. Here's what he did, though. He, he made mud and he put it on my eyes. He made mud and he put it on my eyes. I was blind, now I see. I was blind, but now I see. He made mud and he put it on my eyes. It's, it's, like, it's like God is trying to help us see something twice here that um, the blind man cannot see, but he's found by Jesus because Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That's how I describe my personal testimony, that Jesus speaks to the blind man and he listens. And he sees, but then he needs to see once more. It's like he got his blessing, but now he needs to know who gave him the blessing. I think some of us in here may have received our blessing from God in some way. Maybe, maybe you've been praying for God and he heals you. Uh, maybe you've been praying or you've been seeking for something and God gives you the blessing, but you haven't connected it to who gave it to you. Like, like maybe you, you hadn't said thank you for it or you haven't gave a word of testimony about it. Like you received it and you kept it private, but God wants you to speak out about it. God wants you to see not just with your physical eyes, but with your spiritual eyes as well. Like some of us may be just coming into this fact that we are starting to see. Jesus wants you to see him clearly. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team up at this time, and uh, I want you to reflect on this. Um, when you leave today, I want you to read John chapter 9 and John chapter 10 together, because the interesting thing about this story is that Jesus calls to this blind man after giving him sight, and the blind man believes. In John chapter 10, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And he says, the, she the sheep, they know me. I, I call them by name, and what? They what? They hear me, and they, they follow me. Like, I call them out of the sheep's pen because they know my voice, and, and they will follow me. And so... What John chapter 10 is, is, is an explanation of what happens in John chapter 9. Because Jesus heals this man. He calls to him. The man says, Lord, I believe. And he follows him. Jesus calls to you by name. He says, I want to give you full sight. You may, you may think I'm a prophet or you may not know me, but, but I want to give you full sight today. Jesus calls to you by name. And he... He, he asks for a response. He does. I, I, when you read the scriptures, listen, somebody, listen, listen. When you read them, John portrays that when you encounter Jesus, it demands a response. When you experience Jesus, like he demonstrates over and over again, the woman at the well, come see a man who told me everything about my life. And she's like, come, everybody in my village, come see him. And with the man born blind, he says what? Lord, I believe. Will you stand with me? Will you stand with me, please? Will you stand with me? When he comes to the blind man and tells him about himself, who he is, who's this Jesus man, says, somebody tell me about him, and I believe he says, I am him. I am him. And he says what? Lord, I believe. Can y'all say that with me? Lord, I believe. And it doesn't matter if you think that you have too much red in your ledger, like you sin too much, your family history, your story is, there's too much red in your ledger. You're, if you, Jovan, if you only knew my upbringing, the trauma that I have, like, 
Like, if that's you, you can still say, Lord, I believe. If, if you're a person who says, oh, Javon, you don't know my story. Like, like I, I, I've sent too much wrong to many people, offended too many people. Um, you know, I, I just have a hard time trusting. You can say today, say it with me, Lord, I believe. You could say, Lord, I believe. You could say, Joanna, I don't know if I see Jesus as clearly as the blind man sees him. You can still say, Lord, I believe. Would you say and live this week believing and trusting in the hope of Jesus Christ? And may this be your testimony. May you say with your heart of hearts, with every breath in your lungs this week, may you simply say, Lord, I believe today.